It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. <laughs> All right, uh, hello again, everybody. Patrick Johnson here with you. It is uh, Patrick Johnson Show. We're up and running on a uh, Tuesday. Is it Tuesday, Pilk? Tuesday. Tuesday. Little Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday, yeah. Be salad Tuesday for me. So I don't know how exciting that is. Taco salad? No, no, that's a good idea. There's a killer taco salad that uh, I've made before, which has all the elements of the taco sans the shell. You know, but uh, I don't like Mexican food if you make it at, at a restaurant. I don't do well with the Mexican food in the restaurant. I do very well with the Mexican food at home. Like if you were going to make it at home, I'm there for that. Gotcha. And whether it be a kid or you make it from scratch, I'm there for that. What I don't like is going to a restaurant because it all looks like the same slop has been slopped on a plate. <laughs> and then everybody else gets better food. So I have a little FOMO with their meal. And I, I end up eating what looks like somebody vomited it. <laughs> that is the most Patrickism I've heard, but we'll go with it. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds well, like you're I mean, ordering the wrong thing. I, I totally am ordering the wrong thing. There's no two ways about it. I'm ordering the wrong thing. And I don't know what to order there because I'll order some. I'll read the menu and I can comprehend what I'm reading. And I'm thinking, boy, this sounds good. And they bring it out and it looks like a science project gone awry is what it looks <laughs> like. So I don't, I don't do well with it. I do not do well with it. Um, well, I was going to talk about the Panthers, and we are going to talk about the Panthers here in a little bit. And uh, Pilk, I know, has probably got an update on the Panthers. I don't think I sent you uh, the update from this morning, did I? Because I had uh, a little... Uh, I didn't see it. I had a little, uh, I had a little uh, stuff in there from, uh, from the uh, Frank Reich. Oh, that's so, what I'm using. I do have a Frank Reich cut. You have a sound there. bite? Yeah. Okay. Well, you don't need my help on this. You've got it covered. Philip the Ref Pilkington, ladies and gentlemen. I appreciate um, it. Yeah. No, no. Thank you, buddy. But uh, so, and then obviously I thought Mike Houston was fantastic yesterday uh, on the show. And when there was a great crowd at tiebreakers, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was tremendous. But then, Pilk, um, I get, you know, I get people send me messages all the time. There's the always anonymous text line, which is, Usually bumping during the show. It's also bumping during uh, football games. Or at least mine is. I get emails. I get messages. People now are sliding into my DMs. Oh, no. Slide- yeah, they're sliding into my DMs. And so somebody, a well-intentioned guy and a, and a pretty level-headed guy, sent me. And apparently he must have sent it during the course of the show. But I'm so zoned in on the show believe it or not, that I, I didn't have, you know, anything where I could look at what was uh, the messages like that. My setup is not conducive to be looking at messages necessarily. And because you're kind of planning the next segment or you're going to what the next thing is, and Stephen and I are talking, or coach, we're just small talking with coach sometimes in the break or with fans. 
So it's not an environment where uh, I'm just on my phone checking messages. So somebody sent me the from the desk or, or from the helm or whatever it is that uh, John Gilbert put out. And originally, well, let's let's go back to Saturday or Sunday when I read the tweet. There was the tweet from the guys of the podcast, and I like the guys. I don't know the guys, but I, I, you know, they seem like they're well intentioned. And they reported this thing that there was this terse conversation between John Gilbert and um, Mike Houston after the game. Now, Pilk, I've been covering sports since before you were born, right? Correct. And you're old. And you're old. So I am. I'm older. And, you know, I've covered a lot of sports over the years. And an athletic director talking to a coach after the game, especially in a big sport like football or basketball, is not out of the ordinary, right? I would agree. And considering your father was an athletic director, I would say you would know better than me. And a coach. Yeah. But, I mean, even when he was a college athletic director at a smaller college, he still – would talk to his coaches after games if it were applicable or, you know, win or lose because that's part of the job. Yeah, of course. And and it's not you're admonishing them because, look, these coaches are so emotionally spent and so emotionally wound up during the course of and the aftermath of a game, and especially a loss, that, you know, they're, they're usually words of encouragement or, you know, we're going to get this kind of an ad, you know, we're stay, stay the course. We're going to get this. So, again, I, I don't think that the guy wants to do anything that is, you know, harmful or that he was I, – I think it was an honest mistake. He And I, I could be totally wrong about this, but my read is he saw an interaction between an athletic director and a coach after an emotional loss, perhaps for the first time ever. Mike Houston probably wasn't saying a whole lot. John Gilbert – was probably doing a lot of the talking and John's a, you know, a pretty serious guy in, in a time that was probably pretty serious. And all of a sudden these nuts on, on social media run with it as if there's, 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 there's something afoot. Okay. Well, it's obviously not. I talked to people that were there. I actually talked to one of the participants uh, in it about it. Nothing. Just what we, just what I said. It was coaching an AD talking after a game. There was no. There was not. So again, you know, the guy saw it. He felt like he needed to report on it. I'm not. I'm not here to bash anybody. I'm not here to get on a uh, in a podcast war because one of the other podcasts was quick to report that night that there was nothing. I, I'm not. I'm not here for that. But so that's the backdrop of this thing, right, Pilk? That's sort of the backdrop. For sure. So if you're, if you're not paying attention, and a lot of people aren't, they're just typing stuff and sending it out, they are looking at that and say, ooh, there's something going to happen here. And then John Gilbert puts out this from, uh, the, you know, from the helm letter. And so I looked at it, but I glanced at it because I actually saw it at the end of the show, and I was ready to get out of there and, and get on with my evening. And I'm driving home, and all of a sudden, I'm starting to get calls from people or texts from people. And they're, they're making, I don't want to say a big deal, but they're like, have you read this yet? And I was like, no, I, I've glanced at it. I've seen what he wrote. 
at least kind of initially, but I didn't. So it just, it read interesting to me when I read it and I've sent it to some people that had not seen it. I said, what do you make of this? So they've given me their opinion on this. I don't think it's much ado about nothing, but I guess the guy, Patrick Mason, who writes for the reflector and I, and I don't know Patrick and I understand he's, he asked tough questions and he's a pretty good journalist. Pilk, I wanted to talk about how rotten Rice Young was today. I didn't want to talk about any of this today. Nature of the business. You got to take the good with the bad. Nature. And trust me, there's plenty of bad with the Panthers. So this is the response from Mike Houston when asked by Patrick Mason of the Daily Reflector about John Gilbert's letter. This is the thing in its entirety. This is nothing that's been edited and placed out of context. This is the entire answer to that question. Hit it. None of us are pleased with the start of the season. You know, I've, I mentioned that in my opening statement. And uh, certainly John and I are on the same page with what we expect. Um, and I don't think the, you know, the expectations are the same across the board. Uh, I understand frustrations the way we started the season. Uh, at the same time, I also understand what the players are doing, what the coaches are doing to try to make sure that, uh, you know, we give the Pirates a chance to win each week. So um, I would say that uh, I am as committed as I can be. The players and coaches are as committed as they can be, and we're going to work our tails off to uh, get things going in the right direction. And, uh, you know, we've got a great challenge this, this coming weekend. Um, and at the same time, uh, every week is going to present a great challenge. So, you know, the focus just has to remain in the moment, you know, being 1-0 and in the moment. So that's not edited for any sensationalism. That's not edited for anything. I mean, I think that's a pretty classy and straightforward answer. And I think it's an answer that uh, is this is really much ado about nothing. You know, I, I think John's letter was a way to say, hey, fans, we're not accepting uh, these results, but we're doing everything to get this uh turned around and we will get it turned around that's at, at the core of the message that's what i thought it was and so you know again with the backdrop and, and mason should know that that conversation that was reported was nothing i mean he's been around i, I presume so i mean he knows that was nothing and then but i think you know again if you're not paying attention and you read that tweet and you read that letter and then you see where a reporter asked about you're thinking there's all kinds of but trust me i believe everybody is on the same sheet of music they're all singing from the same hymnal doesn't mean it's rainbows and butterflies and kumbaya because i think there's a lot of uh, strain over there about what is going on and nobody wants to reverse it and get it turned around any worse than coach houston than his assistants than his players than john gilbert anybody in that athletic department so I just, it, it, maybe it's all a big coincidence, but it's just crazy that you had this report, which was likely erroneous. Well, it was erroneous. And again, I, I don't think it was intended to be. I think it was just somebody saw something. Maybe they weren't used to seeing it, so they reported on it in the heat of the moment. Versus the letter, which some people have interpreted as not so positive. And then this question, which, I mean, which led to this question, essentially. Always anonymous text line. Always anonymous text line. You've stepped in it now. Keep going if the listeners want it. <sighs> I guess. I mean, no. I, it's 
you can't. I mean, it's it's just maddening to me. The whole thing's maddening to me. That just the vitriol and the insanity, and when you when you read some of this stuff, Pilk, it's like you just don't know. You don't have a clue. I mean, I, it, even I. I've stayed above the fray and all this, but I'm, I'm even, I got some clap back and I couldn't help myself because I'm, I'm a wise guy at heart. Pilk, you know, this, <laughs> yeah, I, I try to be better. I try to be good, but sometimes I just can't help, but, but poke the, the, the posters. And, you know, I, the guy was accusing me of being a softball question guy on that show. Well, that show's not a, that show's not this show. Well, that's the coach's show. That's not a press right, conference that's show. supposed to be. It's not the Patrick Johnson show yeah. where he's a guest on, and I and I would ask questions that I felt were germane in a respectful way. It's not a press conference where you're covering some scandalous breaking news. I've done that. It's not fun. I'm not even talking I've done it around here. I've done it in other places. It's yeah. not fun. And... It's it's not the Igo show. I mean, it's it's the coaches show. It's a vehicle for the university. I had a guy in the bathroom jokingly say something to me, so I gave him a half joking remark, and it essentially said, "When you're paying my bills, I'll ask whatever you want." <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure the people who are paying your bills in that sense would not want you asking any other questions well, than what you're not asking. I don't think I don't think we do, we don't dodge what I mean. It's obvious. Yeah. But you give the person a chance to say their piece, and you 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 move on, and you all right. How are we going to do it? Here's your statement on what we're going to do. Now, how are we going to do it? Even in that setting, that's what we try to. At least I think I want to try to convey. I think this is what I hope to convey, and I want to give anybody who comes on anything an opportunity that I'm involved with to have their their say. And I don't think there's anything to challenge him on right now because. The, you're not going to get an answer to, to things that people think are important because the questions right now are not appropriate to ask in some settings. I don't think we're there there uh, there at this point on some of the nutty things that they want. And I just, I, it's just, I knew people were, well, people are fanatical, but I mean, this just, this has gone 180. It's just, it's really, I, I don't know where a lot of this is coming from. Yeah, I, really I think don't. people forget we're three games in, and one of them was against the number two team in the country. Right, we're three games the in. The stuff you're asking for is outrageous three games in. Well, especially on the heels of building something up that was in bad, dire straits. Correct. And this is part of the building. I, this isn't the same job it was five years ago for a lot of reasons. Not just that this thing was in shambles and disarray, and Coach Houston has built it up. That's one thing. But now you're doing it with the backdrop of NIL. And that's a problem. And I can't preach that enough. If you're out there and you're one of the people that doesn't believe in NIL, you don't like NIL, so you're not going to give to the collective or participate in the NIL, you got to understand you're harming the program at this point. Whether it's Team Boneyard or whatever. If you could give to the NIL, you're, you're, this, what will happen will be you'll get the type of athletes potentially 
because you can offer them in an IL situation. It may, it, it helps level the, the, the playing field. I mean, it, it is unreal what people who don't play at certain in certain programs are playing. I'm not saying you got to compete with Michigan or Alabama or whoever, Georgia, but I mean, there's certain teams in this state that have taken an IL quite seriously. And if if our teams lose to them, people are going to wonder why, and that, that would be one of the first answers. And then the portal's a, a disaster right now. That whole thing is a disaster. It's free agency when you combine it with NIL. That's tough stuff, especially at a place like East Carolina where you're having to already do a lot more with a lot less. So we could do a whole show on that. We probably will at some point. Do a whole week on that. Uh, Coach Logan will not be here on Friday, so we're back in our uh, regular time slot of 5 o'clock. Uh, Coach's brother passed, so we're certainly uh, giving our condolences and thoughts and prayers with the Logan family, uh, but Coach will be back in a couple weeks, so that'll be good. It's family weekend uh, at ECU. They've sold a lot of tickets. There'll be a big crowd there, and uh, I know the Pirates uh, are going to have their hands full with a really good uh, team. Are we going to talk? We're going to talk some Panthers next. Dimitri Irvano, it's been a while since we've had him on. D's got a podcast that uh, he and Lauren Brownlow are doing, and it's actually coming to uh, Raycom's podca- uh, podcast platform. And they talk about Bryce Young. So we're going to, uh, because D, Alabama grad and fan, and I think Brownlow's a Panthers fan, so that's why they do it. We're going to talk to our pal Dimitri Ravanos about that, talk to him about a little college football. We'll get to the Houston huddle at the bottom of the hour from uh, Talk of the Town this morning. And uh, a lot more. So stay tuned here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Have you noticed he's in his own little happy hour? We're back to the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the happy hour program. Here's the P-Man. All right. Uh, been a bit. Talk to Dimitri Rufanos, my great friends. And uh, he joins us now from uh, his studio. D, how are you, buddy? Patrick Johnson looking more and more like Steven Seagal every day, my man. (laughs) (laughs) You look great. It's been a long time since we've seen each other. You look like a decade younger. Is that right? You do. You look beautiful. I hope hope, uh, your wife is treating you well. Clean living and perseverance, Dimitri. That's what it it is. Every time. Every time. You know, that's what it is. Uh, the Young Gun, a podcast about Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers, is available now uh, at uh, YouTube or wherever you download your favorite podcast. And I understand uh, it is coming this week, Wednesday. Well, originally it's on Tuesday nights, but it's coming this right. week, Wednesday, because the Panthers allegedly played last night. <laughs> uh, Samsung TV Plus, Roku, Amazon, <coughs> Freebie. And more, and Raycom, right? Tell me about the Raycom part of this. Yeah, so Raycom owns Origin Sports. Um, I got to tell you, we had not even recorded an episode when they came to us and said, we like this idea, we hear this is what you are doing. Origin plays a lot of old games, a lot of documentaries, and it is all sort of built around the idea of talking about legends as they got there right a raycom owns the entire library of uh of the acc so i'm guessing they air a lot of michael jordan documentaries 
and, and they said, "Look, this is a this well, is a cool the SEC idea." Too, don't they? they own a lot of the SEC stuff too, don't they? <laughs> well, what we have found is, for our purposes, they don't own the right SEC. Like we watched a whole lot of 1989 LSU at Mississippi State. But no uh, Bryce Young highlights, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, no, they, they said they really like the idea of watching this happen in real time, um, which is which is what the show is all about. What is the so it's about Bryce Young. You are a fan of Bryce Young because he went to the University of Alabama. Brownlow is a long suffering Panthers fan. So the marriage of you two who have worked together before comes together in this this weekly chronicle of how Bryce Young Looks like Arnold Drummond out there and can't do a damn thing based on last it, night. You know, I, I made this point on the podcast that went up uh, today. I, I certainly understand the people's frustration overall. And, and I understand how if you were sold that this is a franchise quarterback, how you would get disappointed with what you've seen so far. But if you take away the five passes that he threw away to avoid sacks last night, he was 22 of 28. The problem is not your quarterback, but the problem is the playbook, and the playbook is designed around a bunch of dudes, Patrick, that just can't get open. Like, how on earth right. are the Panthers supposed to succeed? How is Bryce supposed to succeed? Hell, how is Frank Reich supposed to succeed with this roster? I mean, his best – the guy that I've been told, the Panthers' view as their over-the-top, you know, game-breaker threat is DJ Chark. Bryce threw mm -hmm. to him three times last night. Bryce is not dumb. That tells me DJ Chark is not breaking any coverage at all in these games. Right. Well, I also think they have told him not to run. No matter what you do, don't run. Because so, I think they're so worried where, that, that he could get hurt because he is he is slight. He he is small, right? And and that is something that you look. We start the podcast every week. Asking the question is based on what you saw this week. Is Bryce too short? That is how we open the podcast each and every week. <laughs> I I sort of have been making this point to people that are just sort of starting to really understand Bryce Young now that he's the Panthers quarterback. He had this problem at Alabama, which is, um, like, Patrick, we have all dealt with someone like this, right? You don't have to tell them they are smart. They are so confident in their ability to read a situation, read a room, whatever. I think Bryce knows his football intelligence, and he is so confident that the play is going to be there, that by the time he realizes he has to run, whatever window he had is closed. I think that what I've seen through the first two games is he is recognizing he cannot wait that long anymore. I think you're right. The Panthers would prefer he not run. But in the third quarter last night, when they needed desperately a first down, they got it with Bryce Young breaking off a 17-yard scramble. I mean, you cannot – like, he's not the fastest guy in the world, right? He's not like Michael Vick speed, but he's got enough speed to make plays. You know, the other part of this is, uh, Dimitri, you, they have no receivers, but they're injured along the offensive line again, and they can't run the football. Like, there was no yeah. run game to speak of last night against the Saints, who are not exactly the Iron Curtain uh, when you talk the, about defense. Yeah, well, up front, for sure. Like, the Saints uh, in the passing game believe they are one of the better defenses right. yeah, in the they're league. Okay. They've got the talent back there, but it's only back there, right? Outside of Cam Jordan, like, what do they really have that makes you go, ooh, the Saints in the uh, in the front <laughs> seven? I, I'm with you completely. <laughs> Patrick and I could see each other for people listening on radio, and he saw my very happy face when I said that. Uh, 
I, I think that, look, Miles Sanders was a big part of Jalen Hurts becoming the Jalen Hurts we saw last year with the Eagles. I think that might have been one of the things that attracted uh, the Panthers to him or attracted him to the Panthers, whichever one, it made the Panthers want him. Chuba uh-huh. Hubbard at times has looked like he is capable of being the Chuba Hubbard we saw at Oklahoma State. And then at times, he looks like last night, where he seems to think his job is to run immediately into the back of the center. And there is no, you know, there is no room for him right there. I think that, you know, I think this is what I've seen. This is what is very interesting to me as an Alabama fan. I have not seen Bryce as frustrated before as he was at the end of the Atlanta game. I thought Mm -hmm. he held it together a little bit more uh, at the end of last night's game. However... I think that it is getting to him that, A, he is not good enough to just put it all on his shoulders the way he was at Alabama, and B, there's no bailout for him. Like, I'm with you, Patrick. The lack of a sustained running game, and it's not just about injuries on the offensive line. Like, thank God Ikea Kwanu finally decided to show up last night on a <laughs> on a run block because that's been part of the problem, too. Dimitri Ravanos is uh, with us, the Young Gun Podcast, uh, wherever you download your podcast. I'm trying to find the sheet uh, to uh, that you sent me here. And for some reason, I'm buried under a bunch of text people complaining about <laughs> our opening segment. Um, of course, Dimitri went to Alabama, media writer, host of the college football bubble bath, which I'm going to ask you about in just a minute. Please do. And of course, Brownlow, uh, Panthers fan, but also has reported on the ACC for a number of years. They're tracking the new era, not error, but era in uh, Panthers uh, history <laughs> with the spotlight on the franchise quarterback. So, I, you know, I think this wouldn't be that bad if he were taken with the 15th pick in the first round. But the fact that the Panthers moved up, he was taken number one overall, and I know it's just two games, but it just seems like right now it's it, it's it's not working out terribly well. So uh, I will answer that in two ways. First of all, if you're taken with the first pick, chances are you are going to a bad team, right? And the Panthers are a bad team, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. The other thing I will say, and I've made this point a couple of times on the podcast, I I don't think it is hard to connect what Dave Tepper did when he had the first pick of the draft to what it is that the Jacksonville Jaguars did when they realized, oh, maybe we should take having the best quarterback prospect in forever seriously and hire, you know, a guy like Doug Peterson, right, to to come in and replace Urban Meyer. Well, Frank Reich is in that mold, but he ain't Doug Peterson. And I right. think that is one of the things that Carolina fans have to accept. I think this is going to be a new era. We are eight quarters into the guy's career. I think the fact that you have people like Peyton Manning say this is the guy that football intelligence-wise is most like me to ever come out of college since I uh, retired from the NFL. I think that means something. I, I really do. I think that he has shown you over and over again that he knows how to play the game at his height. It's never going to shut up the people that believe he is going to get broken on every single play. I totally understand that. I think that not only has it only been eight games, but go look at any great player, right? Imagine if we had said after his first, not eight quarters, sorry, I said eight games, not not after his first eight quarters. His first season and a half in the league. Imagine if the Bills had said, well, Josh Allen will never be anything. I mean, like, aren't, right. don't you think they're glad they were patient? Don't you think the Colts were glad that after going 1-15 and throwing four interceptions in his first game, they said, oh, let's give this Peyton kid another chance. Like, 
it can totally be turned around, but there does have to be talent around you. Right. Absolutely. All right. So the podcast dropping tomorrow. This week, it'll drop tomorrow, usually on Tuesday nights. Uh, the podcast, a, a Young Gun, a podcast about Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers with the affable Dimitri Romanos and Lauren Brownlow. And it is uh, coming to uh, Samsung TV Plus, Roku, Amazon, Freebie, and uh, more Origin Sports is where it will drop most Tuesdays. And they are owned by Raycom. So uh, some of that... Uh, that old Raycom money is, uh, Indeed. is uh, behind this. I declare it, the old Raycom money. Is, uh, <laughs> Me and so. Jefferson Pilot Sports. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you've got something that I think is uh, hilarious and amusing and entertaining. The college football bubble bath. A little yeah. scary. But uh, you see. draw a bath. You draw right. a bath. Is there Pop Are there incense? It's a little wine. Is there like candles? Is there aroma during this? Uh, no, you know what? That might be the next thing to be added. There is a, there is a rubber ducky, uh, because uh -huh. I am a child of Sesame Street. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we sit in the bathtub and we talk about college football, everything from, you know, Alabama's quarterback problems to, to coach prime to why Sam Hartman's going to win the Heisman. Like I, as you know, you know, Patrick, you and I have been friends for a long time. I consume college football the way our native American brothers and sisters use the Buffalo. All pieces matter. Um, right. and you know, I, I just think that I have the luxury of having this nice big bathtub and bubble bath is always on sale at Amazon. So why not do it at a place where it's much more comfortable? Yeah. And uh, and and you're talking college football. It's just you're Talk doing it in a comfortable setting. Talking college. I had a uh, I had someone on TikTok comment on the videos that uh, it's something to the effect of. I think this guy just wants us to see his chest and tattoos. Which, you know, I mean, I'm not denying that that is part of the motivation. I, I have fine tattoos all up and down my arms. But uh, but look, I, I think that the people deserve a show, and that's what I'm giving them, Patrick. Let me ask, is this Saban's last year? Ooh, you know what, Patrick? You're the only person to flat out ask me. I, if I had to put money on it, I would say yes. And I'm not just saying that because of the way things are going on the field. I think there are a lot of signs that it's his last year. I think that a guy that has been so maniacal about being within a car's drive of Tuscaloosa at all times, buying a beach home in South Florida is, I think it's telling you something. I think the fact that he is doing Thursdays every week with Pat McAfee on ESPN, I think it's telling you something. Uh, I, I think that now this is maybe reading too much into it, right? And I, I totally think that at this point, I'm looking for dots to connect. But I think that, you know, did you see Coach Prime's interview on 60 Minutes on Sunday? I did. I thought it was okay, great, so, yes. Yeah, it was wonderful. So when they ask him who's the best coach in college football, and he says, oh, give me a mirror so I can look at him, and then goes out of his way to praise Nick Saban, I, I don't know that it means that Prime is like, you know, Saban's going to retire and Prime's going to take over. That's not what it is at all. I just think he knows something. I, I think that Nick Saban has told a select group of people that the time is coming to an end. I've been told by friends down there – uh, that are in the beat writing game or on the radio every day down in that part of the country, that he is very aware of the fact that Bobby Bowden waited too long and that the thing mm -hmm. he does not want to do is keep waiting to go out on a championship that he ends up being celebrated in the Gator Bowl like uh, like Bobby Bowden was, right? So I think or if like, this is a new... Or like the other legendary Alabama, uh, Bear Bryant, he's in the Liberty Bear Bowl Bryant in, in the Liberty Bowl. weather. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I think that it is um, 
I think that it's very possible that if they are in, like, forget the playoff. If they're in the Peach Bowl, if they're in uh, the Cotton Bowl, maybe even if they're in the Citrus Bowl, like, I think he would say, okay, that's probably as good as it's going to get. I I know that there is a lot of belief down there that Julian Sayan, who is the number two recruit in this class, is going to come in and he's going to be the answer. But for that to be real, I think you would have to believe that Saban is coaching to like 75 or 76, and I just don't believe that. You know, so you, you think he would go ahead and get out and be done with it? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think one thing that I have heard uh, from down there is that he is starting to recognize that, and, and take this to mean whatever you want, that the negative recruiting is working. Uh, whether that means that kids don't want to play for a guy they don't know if he's going to retire or... Um, that there is some level of demand that is unreasonable. And that's part of the, like, there is no reason that Alabama should have to get to its third choice for an offensive coordinator. Uh, and, and Jesus, there's no reason they should ever hire Tommy Reese, but here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Dimitri, see that you'll hear this from the bubble bath and see how much more, uh, interesting it would be. So where's the bubble bath podcast, the college football bubble bath? Where is, where can Uh, people get? So I put it everywhere I am on social media, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, uh, Facebook. Yeah, you know what? We'll put it there for Facebook for the racist uncles. Like it's it's everywhere I am on uh, on social media. You can find it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Patrick, we need to talk to you. The, uh, Patrick, I want you to know I do – First of all, I, I appreciate you giving me time on your show. Second of all, the yeah. appeal of coming on your show with you, in addition to loving you dearly, is watching you laugh so hard you start to turn the color of ECU's helmets. Well, you're going to crack me <laughs> at some point, and you uh, and you have here a couple times, so that's, that's always good. All right, Dimitri, thanks. Great to talk to you, and good luck with everything. This is all very exciting. Yes, thank you, PJ. I appreciate you having me on today. And Phil yep. Pilkington, thank you, sir, for making this all happen. Oh, I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Philip yeah, Pilkington. Not enough people recognize the uh, the producer. All right, goodbye, boys. No, they don't. See you, Dimitri. Thank you. Dimitri Ravanos, a hoot and a holler. All right, uh, speaking of Pilk, update time with Philip the Rep Pilkington and then uh, our Houston huddle when we uh, rejoin you on the other side of the uh, timeout. But first, here's the Ref. Thanks, Patrick, and thanks, Dimitri. Uh, last night, the Carolina Panthers fell to 0-2 with a loss to the New Orleans Saints. They also lost star linebacker Shaq Thompson, who broke his leg during the game. He had surgery earlier today and will likely be out for the remainder of the 2023 season. Here's what Coach Wright said after the game following the loss. You know, tough loss. Uh, you know, there, there's we just got to own every bit of it. we got to learn from it. We've got to get better. Um, obviously, I thought the defense really played well, kept us in the game for a long time. There was another Monday night football game and some teams lost some key pieces in that one as well as the Steelers defeated the Browns. Uh, The Browns lost star running back Nick Chubb, who suffered a season-ending knee injury in that contest. The Steelers also had a key injury in the game as safety Mika Fitzpatrick suffered a chest injury early in the third quarter, which caused him to miss the remainder of the second half. He was later sent to the hospital, and after some scans came back negative, he was released earlier this morning. And according to NFL Network's Tom Pelissero, the team is very optimistic that the 26-year-old will return to the field 
this coming week against Las Vegas. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash update. On the other side of this timeout, we will talk to the head coach of the Pirates, Mike Houston. We are. We are. We are. Riding shotgun with you on the drive home. It's go time. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Time now for the Houston Puddle. And uh, it's brought to you by HealthWise Pharmacy. HealthWise is a full-service pharmacy serving all of your healthcare needs, including retail prescription medications, durable medical equipment, in-home infusions, as well as infusions in their infusion suite, which is located at 615B South Memorial Drive in Greenville HealthWise Pharmacy. Pilk, what was the first question that Henry asked? I think today? Coach just said, how's it going? And Houston okay. just kind of went with it. All right, Coach. How are you? Well, I mean, no nobody is um, pleased right. with where we are, and uh, you know, all of us, uh, you know, want things to be in a better situation. But uh, you know, the, the right. Hold on, we'll start it over again because that that was not what it came in on. Okay. So Henry uh, asked about the uh, the tough start, and Coach Houston responded, and here's the interview from this morning's talk of the town. Houston. Well, I mean, no nobody is. Um, pleased with where we are and uh you know all of us uh you know want things to be in a better situation but uh you know the the players are working very hard and they're very dedicated the coaches are working very hard and they're very dedicated and um you know it was a great setting on saturday uh you know in-state rivalry i think that's really going to become uh you know what that what this game is um you know it's uh two passionate fan bases and uh, I thought our kids came out and played really, really hard. And, and uh, you know, it was, it was a, a great first half. Uh, I wish we could have, you know, not given up the touchdown right before the half and, and taken an 11-point lead into the locker room. Uh, but, you know, we, we did. And, uh, but I just, you know, I, I, th- I thought the kids, you know, just played with a lot of, a lot of intensity and a lot of effort there in the first half. <clears throat> and uh, two defensive touchdowns, which which helped a lot. Um, the, the defense had uh, great moments as well on Saturday, and then there were some. Right. You know, they gave up some long runs as well, which uh, you know they, they, that App State's got that little running back who I believe is leading the nation right now. So <laughs> uh, it, he's no slouch. But um, uh, kind of give us a a sense of uh, of what the what the week has been like so far in dealing with the kids. Well, I mean the the, the kids are. The kids are great. I mean, they're, they're frustrated just like uh, I am and, and all of us are uh, that, uh, you know, we haven't been able to, to get the win the last two weeks. And uh, But they're very motivated, too, uh, and very determined. And so, uh, you know, we had, had a good workout on Sunday, you know, had, had real good film work. Uh, the kids were around the facility yesterday, and, um, you know, everybody's hungry to get, uh, you know, get things going in the right direction. And uh, so, you know, that's, that, that's what I see from them. And, you know, we, they're all, they're all together and uh, you know working very hard. Coach Mike Houston joins us here for our Houston Huddle. Coach, uh, you got uh, Alex Flynn starting uh, this uh, past week. Uh, he uh, he had the better week of practice, and uh, there was some good, and I'm sure there were some things that need to be uh, corrected. And uh, and it's still going to be a case where this uh, both quarterbacks are going to have every opportunity. Well, absolutely. I mean, everybody on this roster, uh, you know, has the opportunity every week to go out and compete. And, uh, you know, things don't happen overnight. You know, you don't just go from, 
you know, playing to not playing or not playing to playing because of one day. Uh, it's a it's a culmination of your full body of work. Uh, and, you know, Alex uh, has has played really well uh, all the way back to the spring uh, and really had a, a, a solid week of practice last week. I thought he came out and, you know, the first drive was a, a great drive to open the ball game. And I thought he played really well for the bulk of the first half. Now, you know, you look at things you got to improve on, you know, we can't turn the ball over. Uh, you know, the, the turnovers were costly uh, and, you know, came at, uh, at tough times. And, uh, you know, so there's, there's lots of room for improvement. Uh, but I thought he did a lot of really good things also. Coach, uh, Taylor Jackson, one of the young players, too, that uh, took advantage of an opportunity. His pick six uh, looked simple, but it was a real thing of beauty. What? You mean a- Antoine? Uh, yeah, a- sorry, Antoine yeah. Jackson. Yeah, yeah, Antoine Jackson. Uh, you know, Taylor's Taylor's our inside linebacker, but a- Antoine's uh, you know he's he's a freshman, and uh, you know again, you know he he had a really good week of practice, the Marshall week, um, and you know he you know didn't get to play against Marshall, was a little frustrated, but you know you, you continue to encourage those freshmen that you gotta it's got to be consistency, consistency over time. He came back out and had a great week of practice last week. Um, you know, so I, I talked to him a couple of weeks ago because of the way he was trending just about, you know, if, if we put you out there and you can't, you can't play like a 17 year old freshman, uh, and it's hard because he's a 17 year old freshman and, uh, you know, he's having to learn to navigate college life and, and football and everything else. But uh, I thought he played really well on Saturday. Uh, that play is just one example. Um, you know, it was a really good call by coach Harrell and, and put, uh, you know, put him in that situation to make that play. But there's lots of guys that have been put in that situation to make that play that don't make the play. And uh, and it, the moment was not too big for him, and he made a, a great break on the ball and, and able to get in the end zone and, and give us the lead. Coach, uh, so much has been said about your offensive line. And, uh, you know, I want you to kind of, uh, for folks who don't know, uh, talk about how you've had to rebuild this offensive line. For folks who don't know, I mean, I think you've got one starter back. Is that right on the offensive line? Two of the guys that were on were starters on our offensive line are playing at uh, other Power Five schools, Auburn and Oregon, right now. And it, it, this is a work in progress that's just going to take a little time for them to gel, right? Well, we actually have five new players on our offensive line. Uh, the one returning starter we have from last year, Isaiah Foote, had off-season surgery and just has not come back from that. Uh, you know, so you don't you don't have level. you don't have anybody on the offensive line that played last year. <laughs> no, um, you know you know so, some some of them played a little bit, uh, but uh, you know you got five new starters, and uh, you know they're working very hard. Uh, and I think they've shown improvement each week, and uh, you know really really pleased with uh, some of the progress that's being made there. Um, but, you know, obviously a lot of things we need to do better also. You know, we've got to protect the quarterback better. Uh, we've got to, you know, run block better and give our running backs room run. Uh, but we have, we have seen improvement. We've got to improve even more. Well, and I, I know they will. I know that you guys are coaching them up hard. But, again, it does bring to mind kind of uh, the impact of the transfer portal and NIL and all the stuff that's going on in college athletics right now. And you know, We've talked about this with you before. We've benefited from that uh, here at ECU, but it's also, uh, you know, it's caused some glaring problems for us this year, has it not? Well, I think it's uh, it's the reality of the new college football world, <clears throat> and we've got to continue to embrace it and evolve 
uh, and uh, adapt in, in the way we build our roster each year. And I do think it is becoming more and more that you, you build your roster each, each off season, uh, much like an NFL model. So uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's what it is. So we've got to, you know, right now we, we are where we are, and we've got to improve with uh, the guys we got. And I, I really like our players. I like the players that we have, uh, and they're working very hard, and they will improve. We're talking uh, Pirate football with Coach Mike Houston. Uh, our exclusive interview with him every Tuesday. Our Houston Huddle Pirates will be playing during family weekend, 6 o'clock this Saturday at home against Gardner-Webb. This is a Gardner-Webb team with uh, a lot of a lot of potency on offense. They're coming off a loss where they got beat on the road by a, a 50-yard field goal. But when you look at them offensively, Coach, uh, they tend to remind you of, of what Josh Heupel – is doing at Tennessee and, and what he did uh, at UCF. Well, it's a, it's a similar system, and uh, you know this team is a veteran team. You know they took uh, Coastal Carolina, Marshall, and Liberty all three to the wire last year. I think they lost by one to uh, Liberty uh, at Liberty. I think a similar similar outcome against Coastal. The Marshall game was very close. Uh, they had the lead at Appalachian in the opener this year, late in the third quarter. Um, so it's a veteran football team, both sides of the football, uh, with a lot of starters back. So uh, they do run an up-tempo offense. You know, they're going to snap it about every 10 seconds. Uh, they're going to spread you out horizontally, you know, sideline to sideline. Uh, you know, their quarterback, Caldwell, has, uh, you know, done a really good job running that offense so far this year. Uh, Gaither, the running back, I think he's third all-time on their uh, all-time leading rushers list. Uh I think he had like 150 or so uh, last Saturday. Mm-hmm. So this is a really good football team, and uh, it's a tremendous challenge for us this week. So uh, we've got to continue to improve on uh, on our performance from this past week uh, and be ready to go on Saturday. And defensively, Coach, you were talking a lot about uh, Ty French last night uh, up front, their defensive end. Uh, th- th- they've got some, some big boys up front, don't they? Well, I think, you know, French and Jackson, uh, Jackson's the nose guard, uh, those mm-hmm. two guys are really outstanding. All, all four defensive linemen are seniors, um, and, and I, I think that's, you know, that's where you got to start when looking at their defense. But uh, very active linebackers, uh, number 11, uh, Brendan Jackson, uh, great playmaker, uh, and, you know, they're very athletic on the back end. So, like I said, you know, this is, this is an old football team that's played a lot of, a lot of big ball games the last couple of years. Coach, do you like the 6 o'clock kickoff, or would you prefer it to be earlier in the afternoon? Uh, I, I, don't, I, don't get a, I don't get a say in kickoff time, so. <laughs> you, you don't care. Just go out and play when they schedule it. Go out and play. Gotcha. Go out and play. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, listen, uh, we're with you, man. I know that uh, this is not the start that you wanted, but uh, everybody knew this was going to be a uh, bit of a rebuilding year for you. And uh, these uh, these chats on Tuesday morning aren't as much fun when we lose, but uh, let's get a win this week and turn it around. I know that you guys are working hard to do that. No doubt, that's that's the goal, and just uh, appreciate you guys as always. But uh, you know, the one thing I do want everybody to know is just how committed we are, and uh, you know, we all we all care very much for East Carolina University and this football program, and everybody here is very motivated uh, to get the Pirates in the right direction. So, look forward to talking to you next week. All right, there he is, Mike Houston. Interesting comments from today. Kind of said the same thing at the press conference today. And uh, 
hopefully uh, a lot of folks will be there rooting them on this uh, weekend. All right, we got to go. Uh, and uh, thanks to Dimitri Ivanos, Coach Houston. Thanks to Bill. We'll see you on well, tomorrow with Doug Martin at 5 o'clock. Good day, Joe. When you're out in the fields, you're not just planting seeds, you're cultivating your future. At Flatlands Insurance Group, we understand the challenges farmers in eastern North Carolina face. That's why we offer comprehensive crop insurance tailored to your needs. Protect your farm from unexpected events that can threaten your hard work and investment. From droughts to storms,